0: Good evening, LCM. Good, Good evening. evening. Tonight is September 21st, 2023. I just want to let you know that we are so excited for what the Lord is doing in our body and what He's doing in each and every life that's sitting in these chairs right now. I don't know if you can feel it, if you can hear it, if you can sense it, but something is happening right now, right now. What we heard on Sunday was a sermon for the ages. Seize the day. Yeah. Seize the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Instead of trying to summarize the sermon from Sunday and in any way lessen what we have already been given and what we are still meditating on and, and digging into, instead of doing that, we want to give you the honest, raw and real engagement that we have wrestled with since Sunday. Come on man. And honestly, even before Sunday. Yeah. As we're sitting down to dinner, we're talking these things over what the Lord is doing in our midst. And we want to share that with you tonight. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah. Amen. With this in mind, let's jump into our very first scripture of the evening. Yeah, let's go to 1 Peter
1: 4.7. We're going to hit this thing in the ESV.
2: Come on, The ESV, Adam.
1: The, the ESV. Not the Eric Stevens version, as some would say. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Peter is, that's right, Lincoln. Peter is speaking to his Jewish brothers and sisters who are scattered in the region of where we now know is present-day Turkey. And if we know anything about biblical history, the letter of 1 Peter was written roughly 2,000 years ago. And did anyone catch that, what Peter is saying here? That the end of all things is at hand. Wow, Adam, can you say that one more time? Oh, absolutely. That the end of all things is at hand. It is true. And that's some 2,000 years ago. If that was true then, that it was at hand in his day, how much more does it ring true in our day today? Somebody say today.
2: In fact, that is the title of tonight's sermon, JJ. It's today. Church, we want to say that the end of all things is at hand. And there is a tangible reality that is upon us. Jesus, the Son of God that is at the right hand of the Father. The glorious King that is above every other King. The one that the Word of God says that through whom all things were made. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. The one who holds the keys to death And Hades, that king, LCM, that king, LCM, is going to return. That is the reality that we're sitting in. See, there's a physical manifestation that is going to take place of Jesus and his kingdom to rule and to reign upon the earth. And LCM, we've been gripped by this. As we meditated on this, as we chewed upon this revelation, man, it brought some serious and weighty a revelation upon us, a weight that's set upon us that our days are short. LCM, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. say our days are short. Our days days are, short. are short. So knowing this, JJ, knowing that our days are short, that the time is near, that the hours upon us, what do we do? Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? Well, it's so. It's, in fact, we have First Peter 4:7 that's already here to instruct us on what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that therefore. Therefore, in light of the end is near, the end is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Mm. Mm. Elsie, we want to make something very, very clear. The first thing that has to get right in our lives is that we need to evaluate and assess our prayer life.
0: I mean, ben and I were sitting down for dinner the other night talking yeah. about this very thing, about how our prayer life has to get right. Yes. Our devotion to the Lord has to be right. And I'm thinking back and time sharing with him, with these, these gentlemen, a time in my life, uh, in, in my devotion to the Lord, in my prayer life, in, this, uh, in our faith journey with Shiloh. When I say our faith journey, I don't mean like the Moloch's faith journey. I mean like our faith journey. This is all of our journey. You remember, remembering back into those early, I say years, early months, several months in, uh, Shiloh, she stopped eating. She would not eat. We had no idea what was going on. We just prayed. That's all we knew to do. We just prayed. And I remember in that season, I remember what I remember going into my closet and praying. I remember what the carpet felt like against my forehead. I can, it, it's tangible. I can feel it on my head. And I remember in those moments praying and asking the Lord, Lord, would you just let her eat? Or would you do a miracle? Would you do something that we can't do, that the doctors can't do? Would you please do that? And... Can I tell you, in that moment, he didn't answer me. He didn't say specifically, do this and she'll eat, uh, make this formula and she'll eat. No, but it was day after day, week after week seeking the Lord. But you know what I did have when I got up from that place? I had clarity. I had discernment because there were in the days that we needed to go and make decisions. When we're traveling to doctors, when we're getting phone calls and texts from from outside relatives that were clearly demonic. Because we're on our way to find out what, how we need to help our child thrive. I had clarity. I had discernment. Yeah. Because I was on my face before the Lord. Because this is a life and death situation. Yeah. This is a life and death. If something doesn't happen, death is going to occur. Wow. But can I tell you, that story doesn't stop. In those six and some odd years ago. Because our prayer life is a life and death situation. It is not when a moment comes upon us, when our children... We need to have these moments. Obviously, we need to cry out to the Lord when our children need us. But our prayer life is a life and death situation. My prayer life for my family is a life and death situation. If I don't have that devotion to the Lord, death is going to come. If I don't cast vision from the Lord, when I hear from the Lord, man, all kinds of chaos ensues. So we need to have a sober assessment of our prayer life. And we need to know that our devotion to him is what starts
1: everything. I love what JJ said. The, the clarity and discernment we get when we actually cry out to the Lord and we seek his face. Because every day we have, we have options, we have choices, we have things that come against us. And when we're seeking his face, yes, we may not get that exact answer. But man, we, we begin to have clarity in just our actions, our thoughts start to become more clear. We at least remember that the Lord is king of heaven and earth. And no matter what we're facing, that is still true of him. So no matter what happens in our day, we can continue to get up off of our feet, stand, walk in direction and discernment that he gives us with confidence. Come on. Church, our father desires to show us his will. And he has been doing it throughout every generation. And it is no different for us. But we have to do is commit ourselves to him in devotion and intimacy, drawing near to him. Because he does not want to hide anything from us. No, he doesn't. Nothing from us. Rather, he wants to speak to us and show us his will. But we have to stay connected to our Father in prayer so that we have insight into all the mind and plan that God has. And so really, what we're talking about is, a sobriety as a result of getting our prayer, our prayer life right.
2: Yeah. Did you guys hear that from J.J.'s testimony, which Adam just said? Through our prayer life, we get sobriety. Amen. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. Anybody, anybody like the NLT in here? Go check out that verse in NLT. It says, never stop praying. Say that with me. Never, never stop pray. praying. Pray. This is because our prayer life getting right will ensure that we have sobriety of what is going on all around us yeah. and the awareness that is needed regarding the re- tangible realities of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. See church, as we are so as we are sober uh, as and church as we are sober as a result of getting our prayer life correct, can't you see in our day and time that you're able to see more insight what's going on all around you we're seeing the rising and the falling of powers all around us we're seeing things shift in the spiritual realm we're seeing things shift in the physical realm as a result of being of things taking place in the spiritual realm that are affecting the physical realm church our day and time it's imminent that this message is something that we take hold on to not for tomorrow not for some distant future but for today Guys, do you, do you really feel that? Do you
0: really see that, what's going on? As you're driving down Highway 6, as you're driving down Westheimer, you see the spiritual realm, you see the physical realm being affected by what's going on in the spiritual realm. It's no accident, church. It's no accident that you are here to witness these things happening, yeah. to witness the physical realm being affected by the spiritual realm. The prophets of old longed to see these events that are happening in our day and time. But they didn't see it. But here you are on this side of history, on this part of the timeline, seeing these things happen right now. It is because God has given you a placement in his biblical timeline to be here right now. See, engaging with this, engaging with right now, engaging with today. How could we not think about what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah when he was speaking about King Cyrus? See, King Cyrus, we have a slide for you. In the LSB, Isaiah 45, 1-3, you're welcome. Thus says Yahweh to Cyrus his anointed, whom I have taken hold of by his right hand, to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, wow. mm, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. And just before we continue reading, just to be clear, Cyrus is not a king of Israel, king of Judah. He it is it's not... An appointed king, except the Lord appointed him for this time. Verse 2, I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places. So that you may know that it is I, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who calls you by
1: name. I mean, this is incredible, church. Isaiah is prophesying this some 200, approximately 200 years before Cyrus is is actually would be born. And what he would do. It's amazing. And we know that scholars try to like manipulate this and try to figure out exactly, putting it in a separate timeline uh, that does not go with the prophesying of an event. Okay? And there's nothing special about this year. Nothing special about it in and of itself, except that King Cyrus would be born. Except that God wanted him to be born at this specific time. Yes. To fulfill very specific things. Yes. How is that any different for us? It's not. We're born in this specific time. Come on, right. For very specific things, church. Yes. Here on the stage, we have men born in the, the 70s. Wow. Right here. The 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, in the 90s oh it's like a compilation cd it's like a yeah best it's like like late night radio you're driving down the road in the 70s 80s and 90s yeah but there's nothing special about there's nothing special about those years except that the lord caused us to be born in them yes that is it and has placed us here to fulfill specific works specific works not random not very watered down works very specific works that he has put us here for. That he's prepared in advance for us to do, church. Wow, what an amazing
2: honor. What an amazing honor to be on this side of history. I was born in Nigeria, there's nothing special about that. I came to this country in 1998, nothing special about that. Except that God placed me on this side of history. And caused me to be born where I was born. To now be here yeah. with you saints participating yes. in the work of God on this side of history. Right. Man, do you, guys, do you guys admire men like Isaiah? Yeah. Do you admire men like Jeremiah? Yeah. Do you admire men like, like men like Daniel who was reading the book of Jeremiah? said, from the book of Jeremiah, I understood the times of what yeah. was going on. Yeah. Men that we look up to, that we love to pattern our life after. We're longing to see the day and time that we're in now. LCM, this is our moment, that our Father has chosen for us to be on this side of history, and he has chosen for us to do this. Asad, how exciting is that? It's very exciting, my friend, that we get to participate. Say participate. 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 In the literal utter ushering of the physical reign of King Jesus on earth. Yeah. See, this is, this is not some sci-fi movie. This is, this is not something you've watched. There's a tangible reality. King Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's gonna go from there and come here physically, church. That is the reality that we're sitting in. And we get to do it, Gabriel Stevens. We get to do it, we get to pattern our lives after. We get to pattern our lives from the generations before us and to work with the generations coming after us to do this together to usher in his reign. So I might never get to see it. JJ might never get to see it. Adam might never get to see it. But your children's children might. That's right. This is what we're talking about. And this revelation, LCM, it's got me fired up, but it's not to give us just warm and fuzzy feelings on the inside. We have to understand that not only has he caused us to be born and to be alive during these times, as in right now, Nick Rosales. In fact, he has given us specific assignments and works that we must do. Actually, let me correct myself, JJ. Yeah, yeah. Works that we get to do in honor of his name.
0: Yeah. Amen.
2: See, these things originated in the mind of God, and he's, he's given it to us. Read the book of Amos. He, he, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans yes. to, the servants, his prof, to the prophets, yeah. his servants. LCM, we're getting to participate in the plan of God. Amen. Say, I get to do this. I get I to
0: do this. Amen. I get to do it today. See, Ephesians 2.10 says that he has done these things, prepared in advance for us to do. The Lord has prepared in advance. Generations before us, times before us, years before us. For us to do something today. This very moment. So that we would walk in them. He is prepared today. Tisdale, he is prepared today. Works for you to do. And you are doing them. You are doing them. You are growing in them. Steve Thomas, he has prepared works for you to do. In advance, years, decades,
2: centuries ahead of time. He has given you works to do, brother. Elijah, it's not by accident you're here, my friend. Yeah. The Lord has hand you and placed you in this body yeah. because he has works prepared in advance for you yeah. to do. Not tomorrow, not six months from now, right. not ten years from now, but today, my friend. Today.
1: So what must our attitude be knowing that he's given us this work? Good question. It has to be that we want to work. Adam, say that one more time. We want to work. Come on. Do you want to work? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not absolving anything. We're not, we're not going to try to give it up to somebody else or, you know, pass it off to somebody else. Yeah. I'm not going to delegate my work to somebody. Nope. If it's my work, it's my work. Yeah. And I want it. Yeah. We want the work the Lord has given us. I want yeah. the work, Adam. I want the work. And it's not for tomorrow. Come on. It's not for tomorrow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It is not in the distant future. But the attitude and heart posture that says, we want to work and to do these works today. It has to be for today. What is immediate? We're no longer putting it off to some other time. It is now. Now you know, LCM, that this house was founded upon works of godly men. That's right. And you all know that, right? Men who took the work seriously in their day and time way before any of us even got here. And they're still taking that work seriously today. Church, in your own time,
2: survey Romans 15 4 that tells us everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it means that the work that we are presently standing in and the testimony of the godly men who are still with us today, yeah. like Pastor Matthew Pirro, yeah. like Pastor Eric Stevens, yeah. like Pastor Wade Sutherland, yeah. Yeah. is meant to teach us, say teach, teach us, and cause us to endure so that we might have hope for the future. Have yeah. you guys ever looked at our pastors and see the, the authority and the weight and the, and the attitude that they have towards working hard? Yeah. Doesn't that inspire you? Yeah. LCM, with that being said, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to pick up in verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7. When you get there, say today.
0: There may have been a godly man who set a pattern before us that shared this scripture with us just a few days ago. Just a
1: few days ago.
2: I don't yeah. think it's a maybe. I think it's a reality. Oh, it's a reality.
1: It is a reality. And it's still fresh in our minds. It is
0: like it was today. Hebrews 13, 7 in the NET, my friend. Remember your leaders who spoke God's message to you. Reflect on the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. There's three things we want to point out in this passage. Number one, we need to remember our leaders. We need to remember our leaders. Amen? We need to remember them. We need to pray for them. They need to come to our mind. We need to remember the things that they do. Because we're here for a reason. All of us. Are here for a reason. There's no way any of us made our way into this place by chance. The Lord has placed everyone in us. Everyone here in this place for a reason. And we have leaders that we need to remember. And we can honestly say that most people in this room, they do that. You guys do that. You remember your leaders. You think about your leaders. You pray for your leaders. Number two, we need to reflect on the outcome of their lives. We need to reflect. Not just think about it, but reflect. Meditate on it reflect and what does that mean though what does it mean the outcome of their lives the outcome of their lives is literally what comes out of their lives it is what their actions have produced is producing and will produce it is the fruit that has been uh, born out of faithfulness day after day year after year decade after decade we need to reflect on the outcome of their lives but there is also a third thing that we must consider So we can have these two things, right? We can have, we can remember our leaders, which you guys do. We can do that. We can reflect on what their actions have produced. We do that. But we must take hold of this last instruction, or it's pointless.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Last but not least, we have to imitate their faith. Wow. What does imitate their faith mean? It denotes action. It denotes us actually doing something, imitating Is modeling. Imitating is doing something just like them. And it denotes our actions. See, we reflected on their outcome, on their actions, the fruit that they produce. But we must imitate. We must take action. We must do this. Or in other words, we have work to get to do, saints.
1: You guys have work to get to? Yes. Amen. So you see how there's three things, okay? We have to remember. We have to reflect. And then we have to imitate. Those three things... Very practical. Write a stone. Put this on a stone. Yeah. Yeah. Those three things should be a part of your daily life. When you wake up in the morning, throughout your day, you're thinking about this with yeah. your leaders. The leaders are there for a reason. There's a reason why there's shepherds and there's sheep. Yeah. The sheep need shepherding. And the shepherds are set there for an example for you to follow. Yeah. Yeah. We want to look to their lives. Yeah. I, want to, I want to remember Pastor Nick Come on. I want to remember The outcome of his life on how he disciplines his children. The fruit that's produced out of AJ, Ezra, and Elisha. I see that. It's tangible. That causes me to reflect on and then want to put in practice. That becomes the imitation. Mm -hmm. Now, the imitation has to happen when I set my presence in a position where I can actually watch. I need to be able to see. How do you imitate if you don't see? How do you imitate if you're not around? You can't do it. You need to put yourself in that position. So you put yourself in a position where I can see what Pastor Nick's doing. Then I imitate. I see the intricacies, the diligence of his hands to be aware of what his children are doing, to speak life into them, to speak correction into them. He takes the time to do that, and that is causing me... To do the exact same thing. Amen. I'm aspiring to do that because I'm looking to my leader, like Hebrews 13:7 says. Yeah. I want to reflect on his ways and I want to imitate him. Amen. Amen. Church, we have men who are an example to us that we remember, we reflect and we imitate their faith so that we can be an example to the generation after us. Come on. Yeah. Okay. We need to reflect, remember, reflect and imitate. For the generation coming after us. They need to see the way of life as well. Because it's not like, it's a continuation. The generations are a continuous pattern. We want to create good patterns. Godly patterns. Ones that are worth imitating. And that's our leaders. How weighty is that? It's weighty, Adam. Think about that. That's weighty. It is weighty. Think about the people right now. You should be running through your mind. The men that are your leaders and what they do, how weighty it is to walk in that. We are now a generation. I emphasize the now. Who must must now pass that weighty revelation on to the next generation? I'm looking at my sons. I want you to pass that on to them. I want them to grab hold of this because I don't want this stopping at a second generation. I don't want this stopping at a third generation. No, it won't. Go through the Bible and see if you can find generations past three. It's very, very difficult. But we are establishing something now that is setting a precedent that generation after generation after generation, I can keep going. We are not stopping in this. We can say this is a weight that Apostle Paul understood when he was writing the following to Timothy.
2: So let's pick up in 2 Timothy chapter 2. As you guys turn there, we'll pick up in verse 1. And we're going to read this in the NIV. As you're turning there, say today. today. It says this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. entrust trust to reliable men who, who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, Paul, Now, church, if Paul had to tell Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, it must mean that it took some effort, yeah. that it took some work to transmit that revelation that he had to the next generation. Yeah. Yes. Not just so that they would have something, as in something nice, like, hey, thank you, Timothy, for passing this on. No, 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 that they will also be qualified themselves to teach other men that exact same revelation. That's the weight that we're talking about, and it's also exciting because the Lord put us here in history to engage with these things. And he says now is the time. Today is the day, and we get to be the generation to pass on what has been passed on to us. Yeah, yeah. Church of 2 Timothy 2 is Paul's writing this. Paul's handing over his life's work to Timothy. He's entrusting it to him. Think about this. Everything that Paul now has is in the hands of Timothy.
1: Yeah, this isn't like, this isn't like an, a family heirloom. Yeah. Like a quilted blanket that he's handing to him. Yeah. This is a life's work. Yeah. This is years and years of buildup for this. Yeah. This is, it, it's amazing when it says to entrust this to somebody that's a reliable. This is important. What Bim's about to share, it says so good.
2: Paul got stoned right outside of Ephesus. Stood back up after disciples prayed, prayed around him and went back into the city. That's what he's handing off to Timothy. Yeah. Shipwrecks, beatings, accusations, prison. That's what he's handing off to Timothy. He's handed to him his life's work. And we have to ask ourselves today, what about us? What about the life's work of other men that are sitting here, that are tangible, that are here with the works that they've done, and the works that they've done has blessed our lives tremendously. Somebody say Amen. 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 What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do, LCM, with what has been handed to us? What are we going to do with this?
0: As you contemplate that, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because it carries on this train of thought about the weightiness and the responsibility that has been entrusted to us. And right before we pick up in verse 6, I want you to pay attention to the words that are being used in this passage. To describe what must be done to ensure that the work continues. In the next generation, that it does not die with one or two, but it continues from generation to generation. I'm gonna read this in the ESV. And these words that I command you today, say command. command. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So we're thinking about these questions before, right? What are we going to do with this? How are we going to do this? Deuteronomy 6 has given us a great pattern. It has. Fantastic pattern, pattern, JJ. JJ. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Well, how do I how, how to become diligent in teaching? You know what? Talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about them when you sit in your house. Yeah. Talk about them at your table when you're eating dinner. Talk about them when you have families over, when you're opening your table to other families. Yeah. Talk about these things. Or when you're walking by the way. We don't walk by the way anymore. When you're driving down the street, right? Yeah. When you're taking your son to work with your sons, your daughters. When, they're going, when you're going to the store. Talk about them when you're going this way. And when you lie down. Husbands, talk to your wives when you lie down. That's a good talk word. Talk to them. You can do other things too. It's a good word. But talk word. to them. Amen. Wives, talk to your husbands when they lie down. Sometimes they don't have that, that problem as much as husbands have talking to their wives. Yes. Cultivate. And when you rise, talk about it when you rise. Right? I know I I have a tendency to to rise a little bit earlier. And so I don't have these conversations. But at that time, when my bride does ride, we have conversations. Get it, man. When she rises, we have conversations. Get it. We have them together. This is how we do this. Yeah. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. You see, not only are these commands... But they are also a description of what must be happening at every moment of the day. That's why it says when you sit in your house, when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you're rising, these are all moments of the day. Sun up to sun down. Every moment of the day. Today. You see, this isn't a one-off. It's not a checklist. It's not, okay, when I got up, I'm going to talk. When I lay down, I'm going to talk. This isn't a checklist. This isn't. This is a continuous effort. A continuous effort throughout your day making a point to fulfill these commands that the Lord has given you. You guys want to fulfill these commands the Lord has
2: given us? Yes. yes. Amen. Church, today is the day that we get to work. Say today is, today, is today is the day. Today is the day. See, we're going to put up two passages. We don't want you to turn there. The first one is Proverbs 20, verse 4 in the NLT. Look at this. Those two lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. What about John 9 in NIV? As long as it is... As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. The point of us sharing those two passages, LCM, is this time now is the right season. Yeah. Today is that day, and we have to get to work. But we have a question for you, LCM. How do we get to that work? How do we do this? Do we just muster up some strength? Is it just, is it just zeal? do we just muster it up and just just do everything that we can possibly think of? Do we just think about Jesus coming and say, "Okay, because Jesus is coming, let me do something." No, LCM. No. Say no. No. We have rather the scriptural pattern that's actually spurring us on on how to do this. Remember Romans 15:4? Things have been written in the past to instruct us to encourage us. Church we must say must, must must go into strict training today. Somebody say strict training.
1: Strict training. Let's go to 1 Corinthians nine twenty four. Yeah, yeah. I want to hit this one in the NIV? Yeah, get it. Hit it. When you do have time, read it in the NLT. It's also well. <laughs> do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Church, Paul is bringing to light the worldly principle of strict training in order to win a game. A game. A race. One single bout of of something. Okay? Well, church, our event is so much more than a game. Come on, man. So much more than a game. The light of eternity is our backdrop. Our arena. The light of eternity. Do you hear what Paul states? The race the world runs... Gets a crown that will perish. Wow. Yeah. Perish. I think it was Pastor Peyton. I know it was Pastor Peyton. Oh, yeah. That's Caesar salad, baby. And Caesar salads, in my opinion, are only good for wasting away. I'll tell you that right now. But our training produces an eternal fruit a crown that will not fade, but last forever. So what does it look like to go into strict training? What do you do? Tell us, Adam. I happen to know a little bit about this. So I'm going to walk you through some practical things of what it would look like to go into strict training for a competition. When I was doing Strongman, there used to be i mean, many events you can do throughout a year. Well, you choose one. Okay? You're not going to do them all. You choose one. You have that out there as a, a marker that you're going to. It's your goal. So whether it's three months out, six months out, a year out. You have a goal in mind. You have to decide, this is my goal. This is what I'm deciding to do. Okay. Then in that, you have to have some, some purpose. Why are you doing what you do? Why are you doing this? Okay. I want to compete. I want to train my body to do things that I don't think is possible. I want to do that. That's the purpose. Then I have to sit and I have to actually evaluate. What am I good at? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? I have to engage with that and know with my uh, a sober assessment of myself so I know going into this competition what needs to be done. Yeah. What do I have to work on? What do I maybe not have to work so much on and I can give more time to other things I'm not that good at? Okay? The other part of that, after you evaluate, you have to put a plan in action. Yes, yes. You have to. You have to sit down and write out what are the next things I'm going to do. So I would sit there and look at what are the events. I would know there's six events in a strongman competition. I knew what had to be done for those events. I had to eventually do the weights that were listed, prescribed. I had to do what it all entailed. Dragging something 100 feet. Picking something up over my head multiple times. I had to know that. Well, in knowing that, I get to plan then because in one of those competitions, newsflash, you're not going to go into the beginning, the first day of your training and already have all of that accomplished. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Okay? What, what happens then I have to actually set it out there in front of me. I have to know every single day. what does the next day look like? What does the next day look like? How does it build on itself? I have to plan that out. I have to write it out. So I have something to follow. So I stick to my training plan. So I don't lose course. I don't get off of it. I know what needs to be done. And I know every step of the way as I hit those, I'm going to reach my goal. I'm going to reach the marker. Then what I have to do after that, I have to execute. I have to actually go and do the competition and the training. I have to do the training first, sorry, before I get to the competition. Every day, I have to in- engage with the work that I already writ out, I wrote out. I have to do that every single day, consistently. I have to be in that strict training in order to reach that goal. It's no different with the kingdom. in fact it's more advantageous for the kingdom. Because yeah. yeah. I think about that in a worldly pursuit. I know exactly what I had to do. I know exactly how much I pushed and gave to that. How much more for the kingdom? Yeah. Yeah. How much more am I willing to push my body more? Yeah. Yeah. To, give, to give my body up. To beat it and make it my slave. Make it listen to what I want to do. Amen. Yeah. Not what my emotions or feelings or the world wants me to do. Yeah. To hell with that. We need strict training. We, do. we need yeah. strict training in our personal devotion. Yeah. Yeah. Our actual engagement with the word when we get home and we're sitting in the word with our families, Sitting in the word by ourselves. Praying for brothers. Praying for our families. Our personal devotion to growing in our relationship with the Lord. Man, we need strict training in pastoring our wives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes.
0: We need that training to actually listen. To actually be compassionate. And to have a discerning ear. And that comes from starting in personal devotion. So we have that discernment. So we know what's going on in their hearts. So we can shepherd them. So we can lead them well. We need to have strict training in pastoring our wives every day. Every hour
2: of every day is the strict training we need to have. We need strict training in raising up our kids and disciplining them. See, James says that all a perfect gift comes from the Father of the heavenly lights. The Lord has given us children... And like you've already read in Ephesians chapter 2, he's prepared works in advance for them to do. And it's our responsibility to have strict training to raise up our children like a Samuel. In 1 Samuel, he was devoted to the Lord, and look at what he grew up to become for the nation. The Lord said about Samuel, his words would never fall to the ground. Look at your children in that light when you're speaking to them. Look at them when you're disciplining them, reminding them what the standard of God is because you're not disciplining them in their present status for where their status is, but you're disciplining them for them to be the, the saints that stand with conviction and resist the beast and overcome and win. That's what we're doing. We had these strict training in raising our kids and disciplining them.
1: Oh, yeah. Strict training in working in our teams. Having full transparency. Laying everything out on the table so our brothers can pour into us. Having a deep concern for our brothers. Wanting to know what's going on with them. Asking, engaging with it. We need to be in strict training in that endeavor. We need
0: strict training in pursuing discipleship. Yes, yes. We talked about this earlier, yes. right? Not just remembering, not just considering, but actually imitating. Yes. That is discipleship. And it starts with actually being there. Actually showing up. Having have a, a commitment to be somewhere week after week yeah. to be in the presence of those who are discipling. We need to have strict training in that, not just to be there, but actually to do, to do what
1: our disciples are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick. If you notice the, the people, the men, the women in this body that you see growing the most, it's because they have decided. They have committed and they have stuck to that conviction and they are with the people they want to be when they are supposed to be there. Anybody. We can go along Justin Justin Linton. He is with Pastor Wade. Not just because he lives there, cuz you can live with somebody and not really be engaging with them. He is choosing to put himself in a position in a proximity that is so close to Pastor Wade that he is learning exponentially. Okay? It's the reason why the men that are growing so quickly is because they've decided this is worth it. Strict training. I am throwing off everything else. Nothing is getting in my way. This is what I've decided I'm doing it. No one's going to move me. No one's going to make me think otherwise. That is the strict training we need in that endeavor. And you see a
2: generational pattern here. You see Justin Linton, who has attached himself more than attached. His way of life has patterned after Pastor Wade. And you see a man like Ubong, who has attached himself to Justin Linton. Church, this is how we get to the work and perform the works and we usher in the reign of Jesus Christ. Church, we need strict training in our ministry to the world all around us. Matthew 5 says, let your light shine so that men would see your works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We can't go to work and just be in our cubicle. I'm speaking to myself as well. We need to shine the light of Christ everywhere we go, every moment
1: that we have because today is that day. Church, what we were really talking about is having deep convictions yeah. about these areas of strict training. Yeah. Deep convictions. Something that's so deep in your soul, it's like that fire shut up your bones yeah. that Jeremiah is talking about. Ezekiel. My bad. It's Ezekiel. Jeremiah. Is it Jeremiah? Yeah. Right. It, Got you. It. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Shouldn't have second guessed that. Deep convictions that keep you committed Amen. to the training. Amen. Like we said before, that will not move you. doesn't matter if you're sick. doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m. doesn't matter if you just had a conversation with your wife, but you know you still want to be with your discipler and you make it a point to get there. Yep. It does not matter. Deep convictions keep you committed to the training. Amen. Come on. We know these things to be true. Yes. And we also have to be aware of the obstacles that work against us yep. in these areas of strict training obstacles like rest mm. and comfort yeah. mm. instead of our personal devotion in Ooh. the word of god yeah. wow. when we're just so tired we just can't keep going or if i only just sleep some more i'll have more energy to read more right. oh.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. the problem is with that is you then just took your time today I'm and now you push it off to another day. I'll tell you right now, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Because yeah. tomorrow will keep being tomorrow.
0: Yeah.
1: It'll never be today.
0: That's right.
1: The deep conviction is now. Yep. Obstacles like
0: entertainment when pastoring our wives. Let's just let's just uh, let's just watch this show for just a little Netflix, bit. Let's just, Netflix, let's just Netflix and chill. Put your arm around me. Yeah, let's just chill. Obstacles like peacekeeping. When pastoring your wife. Like right? I really don't want to address this right now. I just I know this is gonna end up being a two hour conversation. I really don't want to get into this right now. Obstacles like disengaging. Alright? I've done enough for today. I pastored my wife all day. I don't need to pastor in these last thirty minutes. Let's just go to bed. Let's just Yeah. Yeah. These
2: are obstacles that we need to obliterate. When it comes to discipline our children. Making excuses. Little Johnny just is really tired. Or turning a blind eye to what their, what their behaviors actually are. I'll just let this slide one more time. Just one time. I mean, I've ministered oh, outside of my home. I pray for that guy to get filled with the Holy Spirit along with my brothers. And, yeah, my daughter's misbehaving. But it's, it's really not that bad, JJ. I mean, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: Boys will just be boys, right? Wow. How about working in our teams when we have these thoughts of independence? Why can't I just do what I want to do? Why do I have to bring this decision to the team? (laughs) That's striking with somebody, apparently. (laughs) How about indifference? That's not really my problem. That's their problem. (laughs) I'll let them figure that out. You know what? They're a man of God. They'll figure that out on oh, their own. Yeah.
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: That's a good pastor right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. When it comes to pursuing discipleship, an obstacle like independence, mm. right? I'm a man. I, I got to do my work. I got to do, I got to do my nine to five. I got to do my thing. And then get home and do, you know, I don't really have time to to, to block out a, a a lunch or you know. I can do this. I've got this. And when I get it right, then I'm going to meet with my pastor because I can tell him all the good things that I did, how I succeeded and pastoring my wife and disciplining my children and all these things because I'm a man and I can do this by myself.
2: Exactly. That's a a big obstacle. When it comes to ministering to the world and we just have an indifference towards the people around us. Hey, man, I, I don't have time to hear about you and your wife fighting. Don't have time to hear about the divorce you're going through. I have a report that's due at five PM. Church, these things cannot be so. Today, LCM say today, today, today we are saying caution to the wind of these obstacles. Say be gone. Be gone. Be gone. And we're taking full advantage of the work that has been handed to us today. Yeah. LCM, we are hearing the echoes of the saints from history's past. Like Leonard Ravenhill who said, when you enter eternity, you would have wished you bled more, you sacrificed more, you cried more, you prayed more. Men like C.T. Studd who said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be when the lamp of my life has been burned out for me, LCM. Men that were beckoning us to go forward. To complete the work that has been assigned to us, LCM. So that we can usher in the physical, tangible manifestation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth upon this earth.
0: Come on, church. 1 Peter 1.8 gives us this hope and encouragement of why we get to complete the work assigned to us today. Somebody say today. First Peter one eight through nine. Come on, get it. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Does anybody love him? Yes. yes. I know you do. But we haven't seen him, but we love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Does anyone feel that inexpressible yes. joy in this place? Yes. They might feel it rising yes. within them in these yes. days and times. For you, LCM, you, LCM, are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And it's happening today. See, we are knowing, knowing our time and place in history. Yeah. And knowing our time and place in history, we're understanding it. But knowing our time and place in history, what will we not do for the king? Come on. Mm-hmm. What will we not do for the king? Nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. What would we not give for the king?
1: Come
0: on. Nothing. Yeah. Come on. There's nothing we wouldn't do for our king. There's nothing we would not give up come on. for our king. Because we know we are receiving the goal of our faith. We are receiving the salvation of our souls. And it starts today. Come on.
1: Yeah. Church, we're calling out to you uh, to inspire you. For we are walking in the footsteps of men that have come before us. Yes. Men like Noah. Who... Decade upon decade built the ark, working alongside with his sons until he saw the promises of God fulfilled. In faith, he got up the next day and the next day and the next day with deep conviction, never wavering, Never. never wavering from the work set before him. That is why we, mankind as a whole, are all here today today. Imagine if he did not get up every single day to build the ark, to do what God set him to do in his time today. We would not be here. Man, but God set it inside of Noah's heart. A man of God who was more righteous than everybody else on earth to set about conviction that is now lasting generations for us to understand. That we now take hold of a man's life and build upon the kingdom principles that he bore inside of himself. This is our task. This is the work we get to do. Amen. And we're excited about it, LCM. We are walking in the footsteps
0: of men like Abraham, who knew that his descendants would be inheriting the land, even though he would not get to see the, fulfill, the fullness of it. We know this did, this did not stop him from acting in faith on their behalf, on their behalf. He laid down his life sacrificially that the work of God would be passed on from generation to generation. And now you, church, you, saints, are grafted into that same faith today. Amen. See, Abraham didn't start from Genesis chapter 12 until his dying breath. He did not stop acting in faith. He did not stop walking in faith. Yeah. And you know what he never knew? Or he knew he wouldn't get to see the fullness of it, but he knew the generations behind him would. So what did that do in him? That ignited that fire, that passion to yeah. get up and do it again. Yeah. To step out again. To follow the Lord again. To do exactly what the Lord said again. Because that's the kind of man of faith that he is. Yes. Church, the end is near. Wow. Not this message, but the end is near. Yeah. Can you feel it? Yeah. Can, you, can you feel the coming of the Lord? We feel it.
2: Yes.
0: We feel this coming. This presence of the Lord that's coming upon us. It's approaching upon us. And as long as it's called today, we have to take full advantage of the works assigned to us. So let's turn to 2 Peter. Because Peter was a man who understood the weightiness and the seriousness and the excitement of his day and time. And what this meant for him and what he needed to do for the generations that were coming after him. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15.
2: And we're going to take this in the NIV. It says this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Church, did you hear that peter understood that his life was coming to an end but his entire goal his entire life's work his entire effort was to make sure chris reasora that after he is departed after he is gone after his his physical body has ceased upon this earth is that the generations after him will still be able to remember and carry on the exact same works My brothers and sisters, we want to tell you we do not need more time. We do not need to ask the Lord to help us take one more trip around the mountain. We don't have time to go around the mountain again. Instead, LCM, we need to be faithful. Faithful with the time like Ephesians 5 style. Make make the most of every opportunity given to you. We need to be faithful with the time that we have been given here and now, and taking full
1: advantage of today. So, with that, church, we want to give you, we want to give you a template of what today's strict training regiment looks like. So, we have a slide. So, we start with this: What is the goal? What is our goal? What is the purpose? What is my purpose and function? The evaluating, how do I do this well and not well? Our plan, what do I need to do or what do we need to do to address every day? And the execution, how do I perform the plan every day? This is the template, this is that training, that training protocol that we walked through earlier.
2: Yeah.
1: Now we have another slide for you that expounds on this. Yeah. For us in this message, our goal is that we usher in the physical manifestation of Jesus' second coming on earth. Like 1 John 3, 2 talks about. Our purpose, church, is to participate in the ushering in of the physical manifestation of Jesus' second coming on earth by performing the works that he's assigned to us today. Those works prepared in advance for us. How we evaluate we need to take a sober assessment. A sober assessment of your life. Yeah. Like Romans 12:3 says. Look at your life with sober eyes and see what are you doing well and what are you not doing well. But today. Man, but today. Yeah. Now we have a plan. We have a plan that we can start to put in place with ourselves. With our wives, your wife, your children, your house, your team, the body and the world. Yeah. Yeah. And how we execute that, like Luke 6:47 and 48. put them into practice. Yeah. The man who hears the words of God and puts them into practice is like a man who dug down deep. I don't know if you've ever dug a hole before, okay? but most of you probably have. Lincoln apparently has. I know that to not be true. <laughs> Double hands, okay. When you're putting that into practice and you're digging a hole, that takes time. That takes effort. But there is no complacency and there is no stopping until he hits that rock. Because he knows where the foundation lies. A man that builds on that. A man who has a plan and puts that plan into action is a man who builds on the rock. And nothing, nothing will come against that house. Imagine that for the generations after us. Nothing will come against that house. We're setting foundations that will last generations, church. We're committed to this. This is the deep conviction we're talking about. We have deep convictions for many things. Man, the deep convictions of generations and what that means and where that goes, our generations and possibly three, two to three generations are ushering in the presence of the Lord. They're ushering in his second coming. How about the work today? Today. That makes that work not meaningless, not drudgery. You have vision and you have a task to do. That makes you a missionary. Every day is a mission. When you're mission-minded like that, nothing gets in your way. That's your deep conviction. Nothing will stop you. And that's what we're talking about today. Today. We do this today. And from every today hereafter, that's what we're putting into practice. We're going into strict training, church.
2: LCM, we cannot go back in time to redo yesterday. We cannot look back and regret what we missed. But what we can do is be faithful with the time that our Father has given us today. LCM, we want to clue you in on something. We're making history today. Because when today ends... As in, right now, it is 8.51. When the, when the clock hits midnight, today will end, and it is now sealed in the timeline of God's history. That's the way we're talking about. Today, we're making history, and we're making history with our great king, L.C.M. Yes. We're participating in his work. L.C.M., today will come to an end and turn, listen, into Yesterday. And tomorrow will come and now become today. Why are we saying that? Let us not waste time, but understand where we are in history, my brothers and sisters. That it is our time now to shine brightly like stars in the sky and to give our all for King Jesus. That the generations, LCM. That the generations Ibrahim that are coming after us may pick up their place to continue the work in ushering his reign. LCM, you guys stand to your feet. As this message is coming to a close. Today's the day, Brother Gabriel. Today is the day. Today, LCM, is the day to pursue with wholehearted devotion towards our king, letting nothing get in the way. Today is the day to pour into our families and our brothers and to cultivate them. Where would Joshua be if Moses just wasted time with him? Like, I'll just, you got a question for me, Joshua? I'll just get to that tomorrow. Where would the nation of Israel be? No, today is the day to pour everything that we have. To pour ourselves out, Pastor Matt. To pour ourselves out completely like a living sacrifice from Romans 12. To give everything that we have for our families and our brothers and to cultivate them. Lastly, today is the day to do the work that has been assigned to us with excitement. Say excitement. In all seriousness, LCM, tonight we are making history today.
0: What we're going to do is we're not, what we're not going to do is go to bomb shelter mode. We don't have time for that because today is here. Today is now. We are men and women of action. Today we're going to get to work. Today, that's what we're going to do as we enter into a time of worship. We're going to reflect on the coming of our King Jesus and understand that we have a part. Each and every one of us have a part in ushering in his return. And what's going to be here when he returns is a firm foundation that we have established from generation to generation to generation, because this is a room, again, filled with men and women who are concerned about today. So we're going to pray and we're going to get to work. Yeah. Mighty God, we thank you, God, that you have given us works in advance, God. God, that you have, God, from the beginning of time, you have established things, God, for us to do, for us to put our hands to work with. And God, we say that we will do that today. God, we will not put it off to tomorrow again. We will not put it off till next week, but Lord, today, God, today, God, we will usher in your presence, God, today, today, God, is the day that we put our hands to work. And we will go to sleep this night knowing that we have done everything that we could do today, God. And when tomorrow comes, that day, we will get to work again. We will do everything that you have purposed for us to do. Mighty God, we love you, God today let us put our hands to work today